0: Welcome to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message from Hoffmantown Church. Do you know somebody or do you have somebody in your family that uh, has, has hearing problems? My dad, uh, when I grew up, my dad had, had a cold or some kind of virus when he, was, when he was young, and as a result, he had lost his hearing in his right ear. So I've always been very sensitive to make sure that we speak to the ear that, uh, he's able to hear out of, We can, I can remember going to restaurants and making sure we orchestrate who's sitting where specifically so that he could hear, Have you ever had that? Have you ever been through something like that? You, You just become accustomed to it. You, you get used to being sensitive to that and hearing is something very precious, isn't it? It really is. Uh, It's a gift from the Lord. And uh, I I tell you, I love the the group that comes here that uh, they're not able to hear. And I love the hope that we have in Christ that one day, because they know the Lord, they're going to have bodies that are glorified and they will be able to hear. Can you imagine what that will be like? (laughs) I think that's so, so cool to think about, you know. God wants us to hear. God wants us to listen. The Lord desires for us to listen to what he has to say and his word is what we listen to and through his word God begins to produce within us and cultivate within us faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing is how by the word of Christ, right? Romans 10:17. What a beautiful picture. When we're in the word of God, God begins to renew our minds. God begins to give us ears to hear and to listen. And, and we begin, in effect, to wake up to the reality of our father's voice. What a beautiful picture. One of the things we're going to look at this morning, and I, I, the timing of this, you can't make it up. at Acts chapter 7, verses 51, and we're going to look at the very first part of uh, Acts chapter 8. The stoning of Stephen. The stoning of Stephen. We've taken some time to look at what Stephen has to say to the Sanhedrin, to the, to the Sadducees who are filled with jealousy, to the Pharisees, arrogant. He's answered charges against him that were false. You've spoken against Moses and the law. You've spoken against this holy place, the temple. He's walked through Abraham. He's walked through Joseph. He's walked through Moses. He's, he's gotten into David and, and the whole tabernacle and temple with Solomon and now he comes to this concluding moment, and it's a powerful one. See, I, I, think, I think one of the things that we do by default is we separate ourselves from some of the criticisms that are made towards the religious elite. Don't we do that? I mean, Stephen's not talking to us, Right? Isn't that what we do? I mean, in our, in our own minds, we literally go there. We say, oh, that, that's not pertinent to us. Well, I, I think at times, unfortunately, it is because all of us can be filled with jealousy. All of us can be hard of hearing, resistant to what the Holy Spirit desires to do within our lives. Believers always are to yield to the Lord. And as a result, we reflect his life and his attitude. We're to yield to the Lord. We're we're to listen carefully to what he has to say. We're, We're to submit to him, surrender to him, yield to him, obey him. The word obey means simply to hear what he has to say and place ourselves under his authority. That's what obedience is. How does that take place? We get into the word of God. We begin to listen to what the Lord has to say through His Word by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, as the Holy Spirit begins to teach us and to guide us and to direct our thoughts. Several things this morning as we look at this. First of all, the resistance of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, the revelation of Christ. What a beautiful picture is Stephen's about to walk through this that the Lord is standing up. The picture is of Him ready to welcome Stephen home. Thirdly, received into heaven. And lastly, we see a rage towards the church. First part of this, verse 51 in chapter 7, he says, You men who are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears are always resisting the Holy Spirit. You're doing just as your fathers did. Which one of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? They killed those who had previously announced the coming of the righteous one, whose betrayers and murderers you have now become. You who received the law as ordained by angels and yet did not keep it. What an indictment. Stephen, who has been discipled by the apostles, who has listened to Peter, who has gone and sat at the apostles teaching day after day after day, understands and has a perspective of the Old Testament, recognizes how the Old Testament points to Christ in everything. And he's walked through so many of the types Abraham believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. You as a Sanhedrin are saying that Christ is not the anointed one, the Messiah. You're saying that Jesus is not the promised one. And Stephen walks them through a 30,000 foot view of the entire history of Israel in order to show that God has been at work in their nation from the very onset. All of it by grace. All of it by faith. Christ is the connector of everything that he says. Whether it's Abraham who believes and it's credited to him as righteousness 400 years before the law was even given. Whether it's Joseph who is a type of Christ who was rejected the first time and then received the second and God uses him in order to bring salvation to those individuals. Whether it's Moses who's given the law who experiences miracle after miracle after miracle. The giving of the law was simply the acknowledgement of the need of grace because the law was given in order to shut up all men under sin so that everybody would recognize that we are in desperate need of a Savior. The law was not given as some climbing ladder, step ladder, in order to get closer to God. Look how good I am. No. The law was given in order to reveal God's grace. Grace. And the need that we all have of salvation. Whether it's the tabernacle, whether it's the temple, and all the blood sacrifices, and all the, even the way that you walked in the laver and the, the altar, the table of showbread, the light going into the Holy of Holies, all of it spoke of Christ. And through all this, Stephen comes to the end and he absolutely. Indicts them. You men who are stiff necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears are always resisting the Holy Spirit. Proud, that's the picture of stiff necked, proud, uncircumcised in heart. The story behind the story. This is a Jewish individual speaking to a Jewish audience. And what he's ultimately saying to them is you are not true Israel. Because true Israel believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. I think it's fascinating. You can see this pattern. We're going we're to look at Saul in just a little bit. Saul is listening to all of this. Saul became Paul, right? Saul is listening to all of this. He's enraged. He's the one that begins the persecution against the church. What's fascinating to me is when you start to read the epistles of Paul, how much it reflects Stephen's sermon. I never saw that before. I don't know. Did you ever see that before? I never even thought about it before. Paul obviously was impacted profoundly by Stephen's sermon, by his life, by his testimony, by the admission of who Jesus Christ truly is. And Paul in Romans chapter 2, verse 28 and 29 says, he's not a Jew who is one outwardly. This is after Saul becomes Paul, after he meets the Lord on the road to Damascus, after he's saved. He's not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. He's a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is that which is of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter, meaning not by the law. Not because you thought yourself good enough to keep the law, but rather because of what the spirit of God alone is able to do within your life. His praise is not from men, but from God. See, Stephen is standing before the Sanhedrin. He's standing before his brothers in the flesh. And he's saying to them, God has been at work in our nation from the very beginning, from the very time that he called Abraham out to make him into a nation in order to bring about the coming of the Messiah so that not only could we be saved, but all the nations of the world would be blessed through the Messiah. And Jesus Christ is that Messiah and you are hard of heart. You refuse to believe. You've done just what our forefathers did. You killed those who came and prophesied and shared forth about the coming of the promised one. You're no different than the ones who acted as if they believed, but in their hearts had gone back to Egypt. You're no different than the ones who had the form of religion but in their hearts refuse to believe that they are in need of a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And as a result, you're just like them. You killed the Holy One. That's amazing. He doesn't pull any punches, does he? I mean, that's pretty bold, isn't it? This is the group that killed Christ, made sure that he was crucified. And he is speaking specifically and directly, and the Lord uses his testimony and the preaching of the word in this context to literally cut to their hearts. They're cut to the quick. Acts chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Peter has already said this. You disown the holy and righteous one and ask for a murderer to be granted to you, but put to death the prince of life, the one whom God raised from the dead, a fact of which we are witnesses. Over and over again, they're resisting the Holy Spirit. The word to resist there literally has the idea of rushing against in a hostile manner, assaulting, resisting by force and violence, refusing to listen to what the Holy Spirit has to say. Folks, can I ask you something this morning? What's become of our hearing? What's become of our hearing? Are we sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit? Do we recognize the voice of our shepherd? Or have we become so dull of hearing that we aren't responding to what the Lord wants to do in our lives. We have the form of religion. We may attend church every week. We may go to classes on Wednesday night. You may be a part of a Bible study on on another day of the week. Maybe it's in the morning. Maybe it's in the evening. Maybe you're in prayer. But have we become like the Pharisees or this Sanhedrin that we have become so hardened to the word of God that we have the form But our hearts are far from the Lord. So I believe believers, unfortunately, can get to that place. We can know Christ. We can be saved. That's a done deal. But all of a sudden, we become comfortable in our lives. We become comfortable in our walk. We think that we've arrived. We think that everything's good. We think that we're better than everybody else. And as a result, we become hardened in our hearts to hearing what the Lord has to say to us. What's become of our hearing? You know how many times Paul says in the New Testament, for the believer to wake up. Wake up. Stop slumbering. Wake up. Are we sensitive to the leading of the Lord? Are we listening attentively to the voice of our shepherd through his word? And are we quick to say, yes, Lord, I'll follow. It doesn't matter why you've asked me to do this. It doesn't matter what you've asked me to do. It doesn't matter whether it interferes what I think needs to happen in my life. I just want to follow you because I know that's eternal life. Well, he goes on, clearly what Stephen has to say <laughs> cuts right through them, right? He says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the quick, verse 54, and they began gnashing their teeth at him. That's some picture, isn't it? Have you, I, mean, I, don't know, I don't know what to think about that. Do you? I mean, that's what it means. You'll be happy to know the Greek means gnashing their teeth at him. I've never had somebody do that to me. Have you? I, I mean, really, I'm... Maybe I've gnashed my teeth at somebody else. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> what, what does that look like? The violence here. The anger. Cut to the quick. Literally means to be moved or torn emotionally. Angered. So angry. Why? Because what Stephen said to them was true. Was true. We saw this. Earlier in Acts 5.33 when they heard this. Remember the the apostles were testifying to the Sanhedrin and Peter speaks to them. And in in chapter 5 verse 33 says, When they heard this they were cut to the quick and intended to kill them. And Gamaliel stands up and kind of saves the day. They're still flogged but he keeps them from being killed. You, You see how God has constantly been coming to them in order to present to them truth. And yet they have constantly from their hearts rejected the reality of the truth of Christ. They're cut to the quick. They began gnashing their teeth at him. But being full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. What What an amazing. We already know that his face was shining like an angel when he began to testify. The Lord had already made his presence known in Stephen's life. The wisdom that he's speaking with, nobody could contest with. Even though there are false witnesses and testimonies concerning him, nobody can contend with the wisdom that the Holy Spirit has given Stephen in order to confront the hard, arrogant hearts of this Sanhedrin, the religious leaders, the people that say they know God, but are far from him. The Lord gives him a vision, and I think the beauty of this is in verse 55 where he says, being full of the Holy Spirit. This isn't because of Stephen. This isn't because somehow Stephen's a good guy. This is because he's filled with the Holy Spirit. The Lord gives him a vision, a revelation of Christ. And he looks intently into heaven, and the Lord somehow opens it up so that he's able to see right into the throne room of God, and he beholds the glory of God. He begins to see the Shekinah glory of God Almighty. And at the right hand, he sees Jesus standing. And this is what he says to the Sanhedrin. Behold, I see the heavens open, and the Son of Man, Son of Man. That was a title out of Daniel concerning Christ, that he is the anointed one, that he's the Messiah. And once again, there's a testimony here to this religious group that Jesus Christ is truly the Messiah, the Son of God. Here he says, the Son of Man, the anointed one standing at the right hand of God. The importance behind that is that Jesus is the Son of Man, he's the Messiah, and he's standing in the position of authority and power. He is equal to God himself. And when they hear this, they can't take it anymore. They can't take it. He's received into heaven. Verse 57, what do they do? How do they respond? They cried out with a loud voice. That word to cry out, krazo, it's an amazing word because in and of the word itself, you can hear the anger, the bitterness that emanates out of them. Krazo, to cry out with anger and wrath. They cry out with a loud voice, covered their ears, and rushed at him with one impulse. When they had driven him out of the city, they began stoning him, and the witnesses laid aside the robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. They went on stoning Stephen as he called on the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Having said this, he fell asleep. How many times have we read through that and really not caught that? How many times have we read through this and it, it's kind of sterile to us? Maybe in our day and age it's become a little bit more vivid. Maybe what we're seeing in Iraq and what we're seeing take place in terms of the persecution of Christians throughout the world, maybe that this suddenly takes on a whole different thing. You know, I used to think that stoning was from far off. They'd throw stones at somebody. No, no, no. This was very personal. This was very up close. They would take stones and beat somebody till they were dead. It was very bloody. It was very personal. This wasn't from afar. This was up close. These individuals rushed upon Stephen, dragged him out of the city, and literally beat him to death with stones. Stephen's response is remarkable, isn't it? Is there any explanation for Stephen's response other than that he's filled with the Holy Spirit? Is there any explanation to Stephen's response than that he's a child of the king? I, 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 I am amazed by this response. I'm humbled by it. I look at my own life and, and I, don't, I, I don't, other than the grace of God, I know that that's not there. Because it's only Christ in us that could cause us to respond in this way. It's only by being filled with the Holy Spirit that the Lord would produce a love in us for the very ones that would be killing us. I've been amazed by Saeed Abedini's testimony. Nagme shared about how God had put a a love in their hearts for the ones that were trying to kill them or beating them. I don't know if you've ever heard of Richard Wurmbrand, uh, but tortured for Christ and how God in his life in Romania put a love in his heart for the very captors that would mistreat him over and over and over again. We see this take place. The people that are persecuted begin to recognize, they have a sense that this individual is hard of heart, that they are hard of hearing, that they're not able to listen to the Lord. And through this circumstance that God has allowed and orchestrated, that God through them begins to be a hope in the midst of a circumstance for that individual's salvation. And they begin to cry out to God for that person. That God would make himself known to that individual and that they would be saved. Only God does that, folks. Only the Lord is capable of doing that. Second Timothy 3.12 says, Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. When we talk about yielding our lives to the Lord, surrendering to him, submitting to him, and beginning to reflect his life and his attitudes, the love of Christ in and through us, we know that persecution in various forms is going to be a part of our story. When I read what Stephen went through here, I I have to think about the Lord. And when I think about what the Lord went through at the cross and how he responded, you can see how this is the Lord in and through Stephen. Look at Luke chapter 23 verses 33 and 34. Luke chapter 23 verses 33 and 34. I won't read all of it. I just want to jump into the midst of it. They crucified Christ. There's a criminal on one hand and and another on the other hand. Right and the left. But What was Jesus saying? What was Jesus saying? Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. That's remarkable. Is anybody here in their flesh knowing our own hearts capable of that? I think not. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. If you look a little bit further down, you see in verse 46 and 47, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. There's a forgiveness for those who are doing this. There is an absolute trust to the Father for their lives. In this case, it's the Lord, Father, I give you my spirit. Stephen's case, I commit myself to you. Receive me. (laughs) Amazing. What's the impact of the Lord's words and actions? Well, Matthew 27, verse 54, we know about the centurion. When the centurion sees all these things, he says, truly, this was the Son of God. He, he sees how the Lord is forgiving everybody. He sees how the Lord is walking through this. He hears the testimony of the criminals on either side of the Lord and what the Lord has to say. He has watched how God has walked through this circumstance. And he sees the, the earthquake and, and the darkening of the sun. He says, truly, this was the Son of God. Or Mark 15, 39. After... The Lord breathes his last. Truly this man was the son of God. What a testimony. Stephen is now giving his life for Christ. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Don't hold this sin against them. That literally has the idea of do not hold this sin against them to the impact that you wouldn't continue to work in their lives. Keep working in their lives, Lord. Don't hold this against them. Don't stop working in their hearts. Continue to work. As Zane Hodges puts it, don't allow this sin to be fixed against them. Continue to work. (laughs) That's remarkable, isn't it? That's remarkable. I wonder if we would have that attitude. I wonder if if we recognize our own flesh enough to know how desperately we are in need of Christ in the midst of this, that it's really the Lord who will give us the love for others regardless of how they treat us. Blessed are you when you are persecuted or reviled for my name's sake. Why? Because you know we're children at that point, you know that you're my children. Do do we have that kind of attitude? What kind of attitude do we have towards people that are violently antagonistic right now towards Christians? What's in our heart towards them? Are we hearing from the Lord? Are we listening attentively? Are our lives being transformed so that we begin to reflect Christ? Stephen was reflecting Christ. Even in the midst of terrible persecution and losing his life don't hold the sin against them <laughs> what an amazing statement well there's rage toward the church you know it's interesting to me in all of this is Saul Luke artfully places Saul into the midst of this the Holy Spirit leading Luke to write this and in chapter 8 and following he says Saul was in hearty agreement with putting him to death absolutely in agreement Saul was hardened in his heart. He had heard this whole scenario. He had listened to the 30,000-foot view and absolutely thought that he was doing God a favor by agreeing with Stephen's death, with his stoning. And on that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem. They were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. Some devout men buried Stephen and made loud lamentation over him. But Paul began ravaging the church, entering house after house and dragging off men and women. He put them in prison. Fascinating, isn't it? The the church begins to be scattered. The word scattered, the aspera, has the idea of the sowing of the seed. They thought they were going to stomp it out. Paul begins to ravage the church. It means to injure, spoil, damage, or destroy. (laughs) He thought he was going to destroy the church. What did the Lord say about his church? Against, the, against these gates, against the gates of hell. My church is going to stand. I will build it. Nothing can stand against my church. I will build it. People are spread throughout the entire known region. They take the gospel with them. Their lives are a testimony of what God has done to change them. And in the midst of persecution, God begins to spread the church throughout the whole known area. And the gospel begins to spread. When persecution comes, folks, watch what God does with it. Watch how God uses difficult circumstances in order for himself to be revealed through his people. And the light of the glory of Christ begins to shine in ways that are unimaginable and amazing to behold. Here we're introduced to Saul. Verse 58b says the witnesses laid aside their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. In verse 1 of chapter 8, we learn that he's in hearty agreement of Stephen's stoning. In verse 2, the persecution begins against the church, which is clearly something Saul begins to deal with. Verse 3, Luke tells us that Saul himself is the one ravaging the church. He's dragging off both men and women. By the way, that word dragging, if you look up that word throughout the New Testament, it literally means to drag. We're not talking about a metaphor here. We're talking about literal dragging. Go into homes, grab them, and drag them out to prison. And we're not talking about coming before a magistrate in order to find out whether we've got a fine to pay here. We're talking about making sure they are killed. Dragging them off. Placed in prison. Paul of himself says this later on in Acts Acts chapter 22, verse 4, he says, I persecuted this way to the death, binding and putting both men and women into prisons. Verses 19 and 20 of Acts 22, he says, I said, Lord, they themselves understand that in one synagogue after another, I used to imprison and beat those who believed in you. And then he refers back to this moment when he watched Stephen Stoned to death. When the blood of your witness, Stephen, was being shed, I also was standing by approving and watching out for the coats of those who were slaying it. I was there. I agreed with it. The believers know this. In Acts chapter 26, verses 10 and following, he says, This is just what I did in Jerusalem. Not only did I lock up many of the saints in prisons, having received authority from the chief priests, but also When they were being put to death, I cast my vote against them. He made sure that they died. And as I punished them often in all the synagogues, I tried to force them to blaspheme. And being furiously enraged at them, I kept pursuing them even to foreign cities. Wow. Paul, a persecutor of the church. Saul, a young man. Watching Stephen die. Stephen's last words. Lord, don't stop working in their lives as a result of this sin. Do you think the Lord heard Stephen? (laughs) You think the Lord listened to what Stephen had to say? You think the Lord led Stephen to say that? To pray that? God continued to work in Saul's life. To the point where he met him on the road to Damascus. Confronts him. Says Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Folks, there's always hope. There's always hope. Because with Christ all things are possible. The Lord is able to reach even the ones that seem unreachable. Question is, are we in prayer? Are we being transformed? Are we listening? What's our hearing like? Are, are we hard of heart? Are, are we not listening to what God has to say? Are we being transformed and renewed by the teaching of the Word of God? What, what, what's the state of our hearing? Maybe we need our Father to wake us up. See, I wonder what our Father thinks when as he's saying to us, I love you, I love you. And suddenly we wake up. (laughs) We hear. We say, Lord, thank you. Here's my life. It's the most reasonable thing that I can do is to give you my life. How's our hearing? Are we listening? Are we being changed? Are we being transformed? Are we walking with God in such a way that no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the situation, Christ is being revealed in and through us. Thanks for listening to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We'd love to hear how God is working in your life. Everyone has a story. Please tell us yours.